great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... Bills Mafia, thank you so much for your patience, waiting for all of these hours as I just go through my afternoon of follies, as usual, on the drive home from Highmark Stadium. Of course, I popped a tire, and on the throughway of AAA, I was going to try to change the tire myself. My wife got really mad at me as I was trying to do that, and she was right. Like, it was people are flying at rush hour, 75 miles an hour, like, I really shouldn't have gotten out of the car. So I, I messed around with it, got it up on the jack a little bit. And then I'm like, you know what? This is this is a recipe for disaster. Got back in the car, called AAA. They can't even come out. Like the thruway authority has to come out. They'd send their people to change the tire on the thruway. So they get out. They finally do it. I get home on the donut. Here we are, Ryan Talbot. How are you, my friend? I'm doing better than you, it sounds yes. like there, Mr. Perino. So glad it all ended up well, though. Glad uh, we're here to talk some Bills football. Yes, we got a lot to get into. Obviously, an observation show, our favorite kind here at Shout. But we have to start with Damar Hamlin, Ryan, because this was just a sensational day with a sensational sight. Damar Hamlin back in team drills for the first time since uh, his heart stopped in the field in Cincinnati twice five months ago. And it was surreal in a lot of ways. I mean, he was just so nonchalant about it. Out there, you know, obviously doing the individual stuff for the last couple of weeks, he got involved in the team drills and actually was a part of a bunch of different plays. You know, I thought his play of the day came on a a great read, uh, Latavius Murray on a short uh, catch. He just busts uh, towards the line of scrimmage and and makes a really great stop there. Obviously, they're not in pads, uh, but great reaction time. And Brandon Bean even mentioned it. It's like this guy's going into year three from a mental perspective. He knows the defense. He knows the calls. He knows where he's supposed to be. It's just about going through those reps, and that's what they're really trying to do, get those reps ramped up over the next couple of months leading to uh, training camp. Yeah, you know, you know, you said it, Matt. January, that's when we saw, everyone saw on national TV what happened to him in Cincinnati. And now, five months later, he's out there practicing with the guys again. It's just, uh, you, you know, to use the word miracle, I might even be an understatement. The fact that he's out there again, everything he's been through, the fact that he's been cleared by all these doctors. And now to get to kind of see him in this setting and know that there's going to be some mandatory mini camps coming up and training camp. And DeMar Hamlin's going to be a part of that. You just wouldn't have thought that would have been the case so many months ago. And, you know, you had some great little uh, tidbits in your article on NYUpInSyracuse.com. And uh, Brandon Bean spoke with the media today, and you talked about how he he called uh, DeMar's parents to kind of walk through what he was doing today and kind of keep them in the loop. And it it just goes to show, you know, it's it's like a big moment or milestone in someone's life. You know, I got to let mom and dad know. I got to let the Hamlins know that he's back out here and, just, just uh, great news all around in terms of Demar Hamlin itself. Another, uh, you know, really getting out in some space and running. Got, found himself one on one with Naheem Hines, who got a lot of action today. No James Cook, no uh, Damian Harris. Of course, these are voluntary workouts. You never know what comes up week to week with different people. Both those guys have been here throughout OTA, so who knows what's come up for them? Maybe some some travel snafus or or whatever. Sometimes there's even like excused absences depending on 
what guys uh, uh, have going on. Like Gabe Davis wasn't there last week. He was there this week. So mm-hmm. you don't read too much into this. Obviously, Stefan Diggs uh, still not there. Von Miller not there. We didn't see Zach Davidson out there, but I don't know if anybody is going to uh, be writing any headlines on that. Um, so, but with Hamlin, the one rep that I'm talking about, like got locked up onto a very speedy running back and Naheem Hines, they're going stride for stride down the left sideline. And I thought Josh Allen probably could have put it in a better spot, but I'm wondering if the, if the coverage was so good that he just decided to, all right, I'm going to just throw it too long and just not even put uh Hines in a bad spot. I mean, when you, when, a smaller guy like that, you're not going to put him in a contested catch situation against the safety. And I thought DeMar Hamlin looked really good. There was one moment in practice. He had a contested catch situation against Keyshawn Johnson. The wide receiver uh, came up in coverage, made a good play on the, on the ball, but Johnson made a better play, made the catch. Hamlin kind of like fell on what was either his shoulder or collarbone area. I don't know. It looked like an upper body situation. I don't know exactly what it was. He came off for a moment, got looked at by the trainers. He was right back out there a couple of plays later. And those kinds of things are, are good too, Ryan, where kind of go through some bumps and bruises and you're able to kind of, you know, work through it and get back out there. And, and he did that today. Yeah. You know, again, from your article being saying the next thing is going to be tackling and, and it's these mental and physical hurdles that he has to kind of put himself through here. Uh, and, you know, kind of go down there and deal with some kind of minor injury that he was back out on the field. That is a, a good stepping stone for him to realize he was okay in that moment. He could get back out there and continue practicing. So it, it's going to be interesting to monitor throughout this entire summer. I like what the Bills did in the safety room, obviously re-signing Poyer and having him back there with Hyde, bringing Taylor Rapp in here. Uh, and then even late here in, in the spring, bring back Dean Marlowe. So there's tons of talent, tons of depth. Uh, but seeing DeMar Hamlin get a chance to compete, find that role as a depth player of some sort behind Poyer and Hyde uh, is going to be fun to watch. Next up, let's get to Ed Oliver today because yeah. he was outstanding. And listen, it, the guy's walking around with this huge smile. He's ju- he's juiced up coming off of uh, this generational wealth creating payday that he had over the weekend. And you could just see Jonathan Provost asking if Fl- Leonard Floyd got the first team reps today. Dude, is this your first show? Maybe it is. Sorry, Jonathan, if, it, if, if, if this is. We can't tell you who had first-team reps. You kind of got to read between the lines with that. And we're going to talk about Leonard Floyd in a little while, but uh, not very noticeable during first-team or during uh, team drills in general. I don't know how much he was even out there on the field. I, I, I was looking for 56. At times, didn't see him. I don't know if he, if he worked in for a round or not, um, but not real noticeable. But we'll talk about Floyd in a minute. Oliver, to me, set the tone out there today, and it started in individual work. He had this um, energy to him, which is not surprising, and he comes out on the first set of uh, team drills, 11 on 11, and he was outstanding. He was getting you know, back into the offensive backfield, and I thought the defensive line as a whole, one through seven or eight, they were making things really hard on Josh Allen today. This was the most like disjointed practice of – the OTAs that I saw from Josh Allen, he's been really kind of clicking for the most part, able to put balls in certain areas today. I felt like he was under siege, like Mm. waves of pressure throughout practice. And Oliver started off. He had a really good rep. He got off. It's like his get off is we talk about this. It's, it's sensational gets off. He beats Ryan Bates and Connor McGovern gets back into the backfield 
Josh Allen gets it away, and I don't I don't know if they blew the whistle or not. I think that they did. Should have been a sack. Oliver was outstanding today. He helped set the tone, and I think that that defensive line really controlled practice throughout, which is impressive in a non-padded practice. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about Ed Oliver, and I, you know, I, I know some fans will say, "Oh, you're making excuses for the guy." He dealt with an ankle injury last year. And, you know, we talk all the time about Gabe Davis dealing with this ankle injury and how it hampered his play. Ed Oliver had a pretty serious ankle injury too that kept him off the field, kept him out of some practices. Uh, and, and he talked with the media today about how playing through that injury, he knew that he could play at a high level in the NFL, uh, no matter the circumstances, healthy, banged up, whatever the case may be, and. Uh, knowing that he's going to be healthy going into 2023, it's a scary thought, knowing that eventually he's going to have Von Miller back. He has a year three, Greg Rousseau. Uh, they add a Leonard Floyd to the mix. They have Puna Ford, Daquan Jones. The defensive line having a good day like today does not come as a surprise to me because of all the investments that Brandon Bean and this coaching staff has made. And to see them have a day like that, it's obviously good news for the D-line. Not necessarily bad news for the O-line because we've talked a little bit about them and, and having some moments too, but... Uh, it's certainly something to monitor here early on that the D-line kind of won the day. Uh, Rick Rarick over on YouTube asking about the weather situation. Obviously, the wildfires in Canada has affected the entire, really, the East Coast. Uh, I was reading a, a news headline that came out just in the last hour, and it's going all the way down to Florida. And there was definitely like a smoke haze yeah. type situation. I didn't feel like it was horrible during the day, during practice in the morning, afternoon there. By the time I left the stadium, I mean, it was gray skies, real dark. Um, so I think it kind of intensified over the course of the day. Didn't really notice it uh, too much during the morning uh, or during the afternoon part where they were practicing. Yeah, and that's it's interesting to kind of monitor. I saw I think it was the Syracuse Crunches, the uh, Syracuse baseball team, whatever the AAA team is. Yep. They canceled uh, tonight's game because of of the conditions and because of everything with the you know the the, the haziness in the sky. Um, I know that when I went for a walk today, I could kind of smell that. It smelled like a campfire out there, a little bit hazy out. So a uh, great question, but glad to know that uh, during practice, it wasn't much of an issue. Last thing on Oliver before we get out of here um, or on that, uh, move on to the next topic. I thought that I, if you're a Bills fan, you probably sat there today if you were able to catch his uh, press conference. And I would go back and listen to it. It was one of those ones where once a year, twice a year maybe, we get a glimpse into Ed Oliver, right, where he does a press conference and, and he brings the energy and he lets us in a little bit. Most of the time, he's he's pretty guarded. He even mentioned it his himself. For most of his tenure with the Bills, he's been very quiet. Today, he talked about this chip that's on his shoulder now because he's heard a little bit of the noise when it's come to the contract and what people think he's worth. And he said he's planning on outplaying this contract and making it look like, you know, when you look back on it, the bills basically got a bargain. And that's something that I've talked about in all my radio hits. When we talked about did the show on Saturday, this is a guy that I think we're just scratching the surface. I think the age piece is super important that he isn't even 26 until December. Brandon Bean said today that he wants another bite of the apple. He wants to get back uh, in a couple of years to the negotiating table and, and get himself another big time contract. And you have to, earn that next contract and it all starts here now and I think a little bit of that energy is he knows how talented this defensive line is he basically said we got a stout defensive line Brandon Bean I my hat's off to him because he's gone out there and he's brought in a ton of different players you know Von Miller Leonard Floyd Shaq Lawson Jordan Phillips Puna Ford I mean no matter where you look it's really really good on this defensive line and 
I think that there is a, a fire burning in Ed Oliver to prove to people that he is the guy they drafted to be and worth this contract. Yeah, and again, due to his age, due to the length of this contract, he can get back to the negotiating table with Buffalo or show the league that he should be one of the highest paid defensive tackles over this contract that he has right now. And uh, this isn't someone that's 30, 31 and just hoping to get that one last payday and kind of call it a career after that. He's someone that's going to want to outplay this deal, uh, find himself in the top 10 of that next contract that he gets. Uh, so you're right. And in terms of the noise, listen, on, on social media, after that contract was announced, there are Bills fans, there were analysts, there were other people kind of questioning the, the contract, the length, the money, uh, because he has you know disappeared at times on the field for any kind of given reason. But because of the talent around him now, the fact that he's motivated and, and wants to show people that this is going to end up being a steal for the Bills, I'm excited to see what he can do this season. Brandon Day says this has to be the best unit that is played with uh, to date. Thoughts on that? Without a doubt. I mean, you are doubled. You, you're, you've doubled down at one technique, bringing in Puna Ford to play behind Daquan Jones, which allows you to play other guys at their true positions. Like, I think we could be in a situational pass rush role especially early on as he works back from that shoulder for Jordan Phillips. That's when he's at his best, right? When he's able to pin his ears back, get after the quarterback, you know, he's good in the, against the run at times, but that's truly what you use him for. Uh, our former producer who shout out to AJ Sabalski just joined in Buffalo rumble. He's got his own show. AJ's analysis. Go check that out. I'm excited. Uh, that's kicks off uh, later this month. Makes a good point. The last nine sack player was Jordan Phillips. And, I agree with this point. I think that you have the kind of talent on this defensive line now that you could look at maybe, you know, Von Miller gets back. He's healthy. you got Leonard Floyd. You have Ed Oliver. You have Greg Rousseau, who is building the finish with eight last season. If he kind of breaks through at 10, which would be convenient because he just hired a new agent, and I think he's going to be <laughs> wanting to have a chat after uh, a 10-plus sack season. Um, a lot of potential on this defensive line. I think Brandon Bean was smart, and I know one of the things that, has come up a lot is like, all right, you go and you give this money to Leonard Floyd. Why not give this money to DeAndre Hopkins instead? Um, first of all, it would cost more to get DeAndre Hopkins from what I understand. You know, this is a $7 million base deal for Floyd with an escalators that'll get it to nine. I think to get to the table, just to start the conversation, you're probably looking at 14 million, 15 million with Hopkins. So these are not necessarily comparable situations, I believe. Um, but I also think there's a clear path to need for this player. If Von Miller's out until week six, who are you leaning on to be that bona fide number one pass rusher? I like Greg Rousseau as much as the next guy, but are you ready to hand him the reins? And if he delivers, who is going to deliver next in line? Like Shaq was really good last year, but he didn't bring consistently that pass rush acumen that you're looking for. Um, I think Leonard Floyd slots in as that number one pass rusher and allows Greg Rousseau to continue to play the role that he's been in. Yeah, no, that, that's well said. And, you know, you, you look at this Bills roster, Von Miller and Greg Rousseau probably were on track for double-digit sack seasons last year uh, before injuries. Obviously, Von Miller is out for the season. Greg Rousseau missed some games as well. Uh, Leonard Floyd added to the mix with nine sacks from one year ago. That's just a really strong one, two, three in terms of coming off the edge, giving, giving you that uh, pressure right there. And then now you've got some really good competition for that fourth, that fifth spot. You have Shaq Lawson, AJ Apinesa, Boogie Basham. You know, we, we've talked about Kingsley Jonathan in here before. 
they have a lot of guys. Shane Ray trying to kind of prove that he belongs back in the NFL, maybe his last chance. It's going to be a fun summer because they have a mix of young and old depth behind those three players that I just mentioned. And the way that Sean McDermott loves to rotate those pieces on his D-line, everyone's going to get a shot in season, those that make that final roster, uh, to kind of have their their stamp on this defense. And if you can have uh, a strong one through four coming off the edge, that'll be the best thing that this Bills defense has had under the entire McDermott and, and Bean tenure here going all the way back to 2017. This is an interesting question. I talked a little bit about it with uh, Danger and Battaglia earlier uh, on uh, the fan in Rochester. What guy on this D-line could you see being moved at some point prior to the season starting? Boogie, AJ, uh, Epinesa. And this is an interesting topic, Ryan, because one thing Brandon Bean said today was, you know, he kind of gave a cap update. And after the Floyd deal, he's projecting that the Bills are about four-ish million over the salary cap. So when, when you're projecting towards the top 53 and now they don't have to deal with that for a couple months when they get back, you know, to training camp, it's about the top 51 contracts. So they're compliant as is right now. But as they look down the road, if everybody they think is going to make the team, you know, makes the team and they got some hard decisions to make, they might have to do a couple restructures. They might even have to trade a player. And, you know, AJ brings up boogie and AJ Epinesa. You're not really saving a ton of money. I mean, those guys are not counting that much against the cap. I look at names like, the Tim Settles of the world, who's now notched down in that fifth spot in the defensive tackle room. I know you like him, but for what they're right. paying him, how much of a difference is there between what you got out of Settle last year, and what you've seen at times from an Ilianku, who you can get for that you know basic minimum contract? I look at a guy like Naheem Hines, who's making more than the other three wide running backs altogether. If Deontay Hardy solidifies those those kick return and punt return duties. Hines then becomes a little bit more expendable. Maybe you look to deal him and get that fifth round draft pick back that you sent to Indianapolis. Yeah. You know, Epinesa, Boogie Basham, they could go just because of the numbers game, but they're both on rookie contracts. Like you said, you're not going to help get to uh, clear those hurdles on the cap, so to speak, by moving one of them. Uh, I love the Tim Settle point. As much as I like the signing of Tim Settle, as much as I still think Tim Settle can bring to this defense, he's buried at defensive tackle right now. And uh, teams are always looking to get more stout up front. I think they would look at his Washington tape with the commanders and see a, a guy that was a difference maker. Last year was not a great season for him. Maybe he has an unbelievable summer and he kind of puts that conversation to rest, but he makes a ton of sense. And one other thing with the Naheem Hines conversation, with that new kickoff rule being in place too, you know, it might even the Bills might sit there and say, do we really need a, a premier right. kick returner uh, knowing that, the you know, where you can get the ball now, knowing what you can do in this scenario? You, you don't have to worry about kicking it short, which is something that Tyler they asked Tyler Bass to do a lot for their own team. Hines could still get the green light and, and return these kicks. Don't get me wrong. But now there's almost like an, a de-emphasis on having a, a great kick returner, punt returner. They did bring in Deontay Hardy, uh, who is someone we can talk about here in a few minutes. But. Those two players specifically cap wise, uh, releasing one of them or not releasing, excuse me, trading one of them makes plenty of sense. I, I agree with uh, Jim in the comments. I, I don't think Boogie Basham would be the guy that they get. I, and I know AJ Evans has six and a half sacks, but if it came down to the two, unless somehow AJ takes this huge step and you see it in the preseason or something like that, I just, because of the value of the contract with Basham, I, I, I think that he would be the last to go in that scenario. One thing I want to bring up, Tim Settle today, really great rep that I want to talk about. Kyle Allen complete to um, Quentin 
uh, Morris, Dion, uh, Dean Marlowe, Dean Marlowe. But this was the play from Settle that really I thought jumped out today. And I, and I mentioned Ed Oliver setting the tone for that defensive line, but I thought almost everybody in that D-line played well today. So much so that I forgot about a Leonard Floyd snap that I did not write about that I'm going to give you special exclusive into in this episode. We'll get to that in a second. But Tim Settle wins on the inside, gets instantaneous pressure on Kyle Allen. And listen, Josh Allen struggled today. Kyle Allen, when he was facing like pressure, it wasn't good. And I thought that Settle had one really good rep. He gets into the backfield. Um, great pressure. Uh, Allen, Kyle Allen gets it off to Quentin Morris, but I, it was close to a sack round. It's one of those ones where sometimes they blow the whistle. Sometimes they don't, but he definitely affected the passer. Something that you noticed. And at this point of the season, you know, the kickoff of summer here, that's exactly what you're hoping to see because you're right. Sometimes they blow the whistle. Sometimes they don't. But the fact that he was able to get that rush in on Kyle Allen is encouraging to say the least. Uh, Christy in the comments here asked, what if Shane Ray shines at camp? You know, I love the Shane Ray redemption story. The fact that he dealt with all these injuries. Uh, he had to go to the CFL. You know, those injuries kind of took place right around the COVID years. So never had a chance to kind of bounce back in this league. I, I think he's in a spot that unless he absolutely blows everyone away this summer, um, the Bills would probably feel confident about being able to get him on their practice squad. This is someone that has been out of the league for a few years that was on the market. They brought him in for a workout, and he impressed enough to sign a contract. Unless it's something that uh, you know, like you and I are at St. John Fisher just giving him his roses every single day, I think the Bills feel kind of confident they could probably sneak him onto that practice squad as one of their veteran players. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Let's talk a little bit about Leonard Floyd now. Uh, we didn't have a podcast yesterday when the news broke. I was down at the um, groundbreaking event. Uh, really cool event, seeing them uh, get going on the on the new stadium. And honestly, Ryan, I've, they did a lot of work overnight. Like I was driving home today, looking over there, and they they have like I feel like the outline dug in to where the um, stadium is going to go. So they weren't joking with that being the the groundbreaking event. I mean, they they are fast at work uh, getting after that. But Leonard Floyd joins this team. We got a lot to talk about here today. But let's start with a play that he had today that I didn't know how much he was going to work into team drills. Uh, but there was one specific rep where he snuck in there and had an absolutely explosive rep against Brandon Shell. And I wrote down in my notes, 56 great speed rush past Shell. Uh, Naheem Hines ended up making a short reception on the play. But you're seeing it right there. The, the guys coming in here hasn't seen the playbook yet. What is basically going through walkthrough type stuff with Eric Washington and other members of the defensive line and the individual portion gets thrown out there during team drills, able to win with just his athleticism, a really nice rep against the guy that, you know, a lot of bills fans were excited about that. They, they signed last week as some competition at that tackle spot, um, a really nice debut for Floyd. Um, and then he showed up for OTAs in general. Like he probably could have signed that deal flown in, signed the contract flown back out and shown up next week for mandatory but he's right to work. I mean, he wants to you know, talk today about wanting to join the Bills because he thinks it's a one of the best rosters. And it kind of sounded like he said it was the best roster where, you know, I know some people might uh, take a little issue with that. But, you know, I think that that's how this team is viewed in some circles around the league. 
Yeah, and the fact that he took less money to come to the Bills and he, he wanted to play, he wanted to play for a winning team, play for a Super Bowl contender. He's saying all the right things. He's doing all the right things uh, by being here at this voluntary camp, you know, just after signing the contract, just hours before that. So everything you like to see in the speed rush off the edge, the getting the initial pressure, that's what he brings to this team. In addition to the sacks, he had 29 sacks over the last three seasons with the Rams. But he had something around 157 total pressures over the past three seasons. Uh, obviously, among the elite in the league at that total, playing 80 snap, uh, 80% of the defensive snaps or more over the last four years, three years with the Rams, one with the Bears. So he's someone that's, one, used to being on the field a lot, and two, he can disrupt the quarterback in a lot of other ways other than just sacks. The hits, the hurries, the making them uncomfortable, moving out of the pocket. There's a lot that he brings to this defense. And after I posted an article yesterday, I had some bills been saying, I don't get all the hype about it. You know, he was sitting on the market this long. Why is it such a good signing? If you've watched his tape over the past three seasons uh, with the Rams, you know how good he can be in terms of being a disruptor of the quarterback and being a difference maker. And that's what this team has been lacking coming off of the edge, especially if you get a healthy Von Miller back and you have Greg Russo on the other side and you're able to kind of work Floyd in. That's a scary thought for opposing teams. I want to talk about that for a second because I've seen a little bit of that too. Like this, why has he been sitting out on the market? That to me, that comment, and this is no offense to a fan that has it. Maybe you're, you just don't understand the kind of way free agency works. You know, this guy's coming off. He was released in March. He's coming off a contract that was paying him $16 million per season. And his production hasn't fallen off at all. So he wants another bite at the apple. He wants another like contract that's going to pay him what he feels he's worth. And like you mentioned, he took less money to come here. Some of the conversations that he was having in free agency, even at this point, were with teams about probably getting closer to that number. I mean, if yeah. 12, $13 million ballpark on a one-year deal, of course he's 30 years old. Of course he's you know coming off a season where because he was cut in March, teams kind of prioritize different things. And I also think veterans sometimes, Ryan, they want to take their time because then they don't have to kind of go through some of the offseason stuff that other people, Frank Clark's still on the market. Melvin Ingram's still on the market. We've talked about multiple guys that still haven't signed. Puna Ford was a late signing and he could potentially be one of the prizes of free agency from a defensive line perspective, depending on how he works out and maybe even the futures on him after the one-year deal that he signed. So I wouldn't take too much away from the fact that a player was still available at this point. It, it comes down to why they're available, when they left their current team, what their situation is. DeAndre Hopkins is still probably one of the best receivers in the league. He's a free agent still. Yeah, there, there's so many layers to it when it comes to these players. So he, he hits the market in March, like you said. Uh, teams probably already have some priority free agents in mind that they're trying to add to this team or they have money slotted to to address certain positions for ahead of that so he's already kind of on the back burner then you have the draft and teams will say well we'll come back we'll circle back to you after the draft because if we can get a young pass rusher in the first round or two that we really like we don't have to pay one of these veterans uh nine million plus dollars to sign with us later on so you're, you're right it's not that he's not an effective player he is still one of the uh best pass rushers in the league over the past three seasons someone that's whose play has not drop down at all uh he was he's been very productive even when some of the starters with uh los angeles were off the field in the past few years he is it wasn't just because he had aaron donald earlier he had von miller 
he's been a standout player on his own and been able to get things done. Now, does it hurt to have him reunited with Von Miller? Absolutely not. You know how much uh, attention a guy like Von gets and how much attention an Ed Oliver could get when healthy and, and so on and so forth. So it's going to help him. But he's someone that's been able to get the job done regardless of who he's been lined up against on the field or with and you. And you think about his situation that he's waited for to land in the right spot. He's probably eyeing one more big contract now, right? Like if he comes in here and puts up 11, 12 sacks, he's probably looking at one of those three-year, $35, $40 million contracts that sets him up into the, you know, the last part of his career. And I don't know if that ends up being in Buffalo. I don't know if they have the means to do something like that, but a player like this wants to go to a team that has good players in the position group that they're going to, and the team is going to be a contender. And that's to me what I think gets lost in all of this. Like I I read some, you know, somebody mentioned earlier about Colin Cowherd, I guess had himself a little day when it came to the bills today on his show. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll listen back to that. And uh, Ryan and I will will cover that in a separate episode this week. We're looking for an, an, or maybe we'll bring in Matt Berteram to talk about it. Somebody suggested yeah. him as well. He had a little bit of a a crisis take on the Bills as well. We can get into that. Uh, I don't know what it is. I I didn't listen to his Twitter Spaces, but I think if you're Floyd sitting here today, you look at the Bills as one of your best chances to win a Super Bowl. And they gave you you know nine million dollars might not be what he was making last year, but it's enough compared with the gamble he's making on himself to come in here, have a huge season and then cash in on the other end. Yeah. And, and even if he was, he's a situational guy, because as I mentioned, 80% of his snaps or more, uh, he's been on the field with the, the defenses of the bears and the Rams over the past four seasons. That might not be the total that he gets this, this season in terms of snap count. But if he gets seven, eight sacks in a limited role, it's the same thing. He's going to be able to sign a multi-year deal somewhere. Again, will it be at that $16 million price point? No, probably not because of the age, because uh, of many other factors. But he could end up getting that one last multi-year contract that he's hoping to get. But this gives him an opportunity to contribute right out of the gate this year, and it gives him a chance to win a Super Bowl. Uh, so I, I think from the team perspective and from the Floyd perspective, it's a win-win. June 23rd, get it locked mm. into your calendar. Live at Wingnuts Returns. Man, I'm hearing a lot of people saying they're coming out. We made absolute, we might just close down wing nuts that night. We have to take the party out into the parking lot. The beers are going to be flowing. The wings are going to be off the chain. I even hear our new producer, Peter, is coming to the show. We'll see. I don't know yet. We got we to gotta figure that all out. But yeah, a lot of exciting uh, things planned for that June 23rd show. Oh, and, and elite wings, but man, man, I, you know, I follow wing nuts, obviously on all the social media platforms. They're making my mouth water this week with all their new menu items too. Uh, some pizzas and some different kind of sandwiches and you name it. They've got, a, you know, anything and everything you can think of and everything's worth trying. We had the beef on wick sliders uh, a few times ago. Unbelievable. Great, great sandwich. So, you know, if wings aren't your thing and I would hope they would be, you, we are, you know, from Western New York, but Elite wings, elite beers, elite food in general at Wingnuts. Come on out. Join us for the Shout Podcast. We always love interacting with Bills fans before and after the show. Joseph says if he remembers, he will be there. Well, guess what, Joseph? We got you covered in the link in the description of the YouTube page and then all the audio platforms. There is a link to the Facebook event page. Just hit interested or hit 
uh, going and it will give you an update. It will remind you or just put it in your calendar on your phone. Set yourself a little reminder a couple of days ahead of time. It's going to be a great time. We've had people come out from South Carolina, North Carolina, um, New Hampshire, where else, Ryan? New Hampshire, uh, Canada. People have been yeah. coming from all over the place to come out and have great wings, talk Bills football with Ryan Talbot, Matt Perino. It'd be fun. All right. We got to talk more Bills football right now, Ryan, because it continues to be the Dalton Kincaid show. Uh, out at OTA's practice. And of course, no pads yet, but man, was he, he made a play today, dude. Like that's just, you're, you're starting to see it materialize in front of your face. Like, okay, this is what this potentially could be. You have Dawson Knox on the field. You have Dalton Kincaid. You have um, Gabe Davis. Stefan Diggs isn't even here yet. And Dalton Kincaid is finding a way to make big time splash plays. It was a great uh, play from Josh Allen. He puts the ball right on him. And Kincaid's running down the middle of the field. He breaks into an open pocket. Allen sees him, feeds him the ball. Matt Milano and Jordan Poyer can't converge in time to make a play on the ball. He's probably a touchdown. Dawson Knox comes screaming down the field to celebrate with Kincaid. All things working. That was one moment for the offense that really everything worked well. And that's the kind of thing that you want working well. You want Kincaid going and kind of springboarding into training camp with some confidence. You know, the middle of the field, it was an area where I feel like the Bills didn't uh, do enough last season. And I think that's an area where Kincaid can absolutely help this team as a rookie and for many, many years down the road. And um, you, you look back at some of the elite tight ends in the history, the Rob Gronkowski's, the Travis Kelsey's, that's where they do a lot of their damage. And you think, oh, how are they not covering this guy? And they just get open. It's the athleticism. It's the route running. It's the elite hands. And, and you know, Kincaid obviously has the hands. The Bills talked about how best hands that they've evaluated in so many years. One of their scouts in, I think, eight years or something like that that he's ever evaluated. We know what kind of athlete he is at the position. There's a reason the Bills took him in the first round. So with the attention that, you know, Stefan Diggs will end up having, a healthy Gabe Davis uh, can stretch the field as, as good as anyone in this, in this league. Uh, the Deontay Hardys of, of the world who – is showing that burst, showing that route running here early on. You have Dawson Knox, and the list goes on and on. You don't have enough people on defense to give enough attention to those playmakers, and a rookie like Kincaid can make a splash here early for Buffalo. Big day for Deontay Hardy from a just flashing the goods perspective. Like it, There weren't any like eruptive plays or anything like that, but it's just like the way that he moves, the way that he runs. Like – the wide receivers are obviously at an advantage when there's no pads. You're not able to, you know, be live and t- and be physical at all. But man, he's just got really elite level footwork, and I think that that's probably what led into his ability to get so much separation with the Saints a couple of years ago. And I'm just envisioning, like, you'll see it when you go to training camp. He's small, like he he almost feels smaller than McKenzie, which is crazy because McKenzie was so small. Um, but Hardy, like, he moves the way that he's so explosive, I think is going to get you really excited when you get a chance to look at him at training camp. Yeah. Uh, yard after catch kind of a machine, someone that can make the big plays in that intermediate deep area. Uh, another weapon for this offense and, and the contract that the bills gave out to him, the fact that he was so high on their priority list of targets goes to show you that they do have a plan in place for him. And they feel like he can be a real asset to this offense. Let's get to Terrell Bernard. 
because I'm actually, I'm still working on that story. Uh, it's going to come out next week. I, I got a chance to talk to Bobby Babbage today, uh, linebackers coach. So keep, stay tuned for that. But another good day for Bernard. And it's like, you know, I just, I'm not noticing Dorian Williams at this point. I feel like there's probably a million things happening for him at this juncture, right? Like just getting yourself, trying to figure out how, what you're doing out there. Is this like one big battle that you face every day while you're trying to consume the playbook and all those different things. And it's hard. A lot of, you know, the coaches are yelling different things and you're trying to do, and they talked about this being a much more complicated system. So I'm not surprised that it's maybe been a slow start for Dorian, but as much of it was a slow start for Bernard last year, it's the complete opposite. The guy is, you're noticing him out there. And there was a couple of plays today. Uh, he almost had an interception on a batted pass. I uh, can't remember who batted it, but it was a really good, quick bang, bang play. He almost had the interception. And then later, him and Matt Milano converging for a sack on Josh Allen. Uh, great recognition. Great speed explosion to get into the backfield. Josh Allen just had nowhere to go. He tried to get rid of it. They blew it dead, but I'm I'm pretty sure it was a sack. It's just another really good day for Terrell Bernard. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Dorian Williams is where Terrell Bernard was one year ago in terms of getting his feet wet, trying to get used to this playbook, uh, trying to kind of play fast. And that's so hard to do when you're a rookie. And you know, the one advantage that Terrell Bernard had that Dorian Williams doesn't necessarily have this year from an outsider perspective is no one was expecting Bernard to be competing for a starting spot last year because you had Edmonds and Milano. Uh, this year, you know, there, there's talk. Hey, Dorian Williams is going to get a chance at middle linebacker. Edmonds went to the Bears. That spot's up for grabs. That's almost some like some added pressure, obviously. And I don't know how much of that the, the player themselves feels knowing that the fans and everyone else is kind of keeping an eye on the media on a day-to-day basis. But Bernard is in year two. He knows the playbook, the ins and outs of it. I I know it's a different defensive coordinator technically going from Leslie Frazier to Sean McDermott, but this is Sean McDermott's defense. So he knows all the ins and outs. He's playing with confidence. He had a full offseason to go out and, and bulk up a little bit. I'm sure the Bills kind of gave him a checklist of here are three or four things we want you to do. And he was able to solely focus on that, knowing that, Hey, in year two, I'm just going to come in there. I'm going to be able to play football. I don't have to worry about, am I doing this right? Do I, is, is this what I'm supposed to do? What do I have to do on this play? There's so much that becomes easier the more you've, the longer you've been in a defense. And yes, it's only year two, but everything is probably now clicking for him where for Dorian Williams, it could end up clicking sooner than it, it did for a Bernard. Maybe at the end of the summer, he is the, the clear favorite for that line, middle linebacker spot, but uh, it's encouraging to hear all this the positive about the positive play of Terrell Bernard because I don't want to say he was written off after one year, but in some ways fans are like, oh, this guy, when he was on the field as a rookie, he looked out of place. I'm happy to hear how much he he's shown from year one to year two. Um, I'm seeing some comments about the Babbage interview. Check out that story. It's going to be up at the, at the website, Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com on Monday. I believe. So stay tuned for that. And once that story runs, I, I, I'll dive into that. My conversation with Terrell and Bobby Babich. Um, and you know, Brandon Bean talked a little bit about the middle linebacker competition today, and he made an interesting comment. He said they really like what they have in that room right now. And obviously I think there's a lot of excitement around Bernard. I actually, I think there's a lot of excitement around uh, Tyrell Dotson, a guy that's been in the system for a while. But the pads haven't come on yet. Kevin Weber over on YouTube mentions that right now. Brandon Bean said 
once they start hitting, once you know they they might have to reassess what they have at that spot. Maybe they get in you know a couple of days of training camp and they're like, man, we better go out and, and find a veteran uh, because we just don't like what we have here. Um, and he didn't say that, but the implication of the fact that the pads haven't come on yet and you could only kind of deduce so much from what you're seeing at OTAs, et cetera. This is going to be something where you get to training camp and then that's when the, the eyes are really going to widen as you're watching all these reps for these linebackers. Yeah. It doesn't matter the position. Once the pads go on, things change. We talked about this last year, this time there's a lot of hype about Tavon Austin and how fast he looked and how he was making plays for this team. And he, you know, he couldn't make this final roster and, and, um, with when it comes to the linebackers, you're hearing this encouraging play about, you know, obviously we were just talking about Terrell Bernard, but it's going to matter when the pads come on. Are they still making the good reads? Are they still making the plays? Are they still showing the proper instincts, moving well, being able to cover the backs, the tight ends, etc.? That's when it matters because when, when the real games count, you're in your pads, you're out there, uh, you're hitting. So it's going to be a lot different here in the near future, but still encouraging. You, you don't want to take away the good practices of Terrell Bernard and the encouragement that the fan base should feel about the gains that he's made. So, you know, so early on here in his career, but the, the true answer in terms of who's the favorite to start, do they need to bring someone else in? We'll know that here sooner rather than later. Once the pads come on, we're going to put the pads on on June 23rd. when We go to wing nuts and, and get after it, talk some bills, drink some beers, eat those chicken wings. I mean, they, they, they go down easy, man, but I'll tell you after you get to like 10, they're big, dude. They're they're big chicken wings. It's like this isn't your average chicken wing. You 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 put down a wing nuts wing and, and you're feeling the difference. Yeah, no doubt. You know, before our last show, uh, I had two, and then we were about ready to go live. And afterwards, my wife's like, "Are you hungry?" I'm like, "I'm actually pretty full." These wings are are humongous. They're, they're no lie, no doubt about it. Uh, if you can even polish off ten, it, it it's pretty impressive. You know, bank on taking a box home because. You get the, the huge wings, the crunchiness, the the great flavor, and outstanding blue cheese, too, I have to say. Indeed. Uh, we can't wait for it. Uh, we'll be back with one more show this week. Keep it locked on the YouTube channel. You will get a notification when we have a time and day for you. we got a lot of exciting things happening. Maybe a new sponsor in the works. Maybe uh, a whole new element to our coverage that we're so excited to, to talk more about in a couple of weeks. We can't get too much into it, but I will tell you this special incentive to come out to wing nuts, come out to wing nuts. We will tell you, we'll give you the, the inside scoop on how our, our podcast and our bills coverage is changing in July. We're super excited about it. It's going to be fun, right? Yeah. Give them a peek behind the curtain, so to speak. So join us at wing nuts Friday, June 23rd, 8 PM. He's Ryan. I'm Matt. We'll see you later this week. Take care, everybody. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.